0: Happy Friday, Junior Gisters. Welcome or welcome back to another episode of The Gist of It. Today is Thursday, June 30th, the last day of June. We're your co-hosts. I'm Ellen Hislop. And I'm Steph Roth. And I am so, so excited about today's podcast, not because it's the last day of June, but because we're talking about one of my favorite topics, women's soccer, baby. The all-important CONCACAF W Championship featuring the U.S. Women's National Team and Canadian Women's National Team kicks off next Monday, July 4th. Then the Women's Euro begins on july 6th meaning it's about to be a jam-packed month of epic women's soccer action today we're going to be focusing on north america and europe but we should also mention that the copa america feminina which is south america's regional championship and world cup qualifying tournament also kicks off next week july 8th so lots going on in the soccer world That said, we're going to discuss on how the CONCACAF as well as the Euro tourneys work, what's on the line, and the players to look out for over the month ahead.
1: I'm extremely ready to cheer for our (coughs) Olympic gold medal winning Canadian women's (laughs) national team. And of course, also the U.S. women's national team, who our producer wants us to note are the reigning world champions. So, Ah. some interesting dynamics going on uh, in the back end here at the Gist. After we preview those major soccer events, we'll cover a very frustrating WTF situation from the world of hockey, but there's a positive twist as brands are putting pressure on Hockey Canada to finally do the right thing here and to to take some action against toxic hockey culture so we will we have a lot to get to before we get to both of those stories I want to check in with my dear friend Ellen Hislop and we have to talk about Wimbledon.
0: We do have to talk about Wimbledon. I think the biggest story of the last couple days is that Serena William was ousted by France's Harmony Tan in the first round of Wimbledon, which I don't think many people expected. Tan played lights out. That was such an incredible match from her and all the power to her. I think we're all just a little bit... Shocked and maybe saddened and surprised that Serena didn't make it through. I think the biggest thing though is that, you know, it's only been a year since she completely tore her hamstring. I didn't realize it was a complete tear until she came back to Wimbledon. So I don't know. I think her even making it back to the court in and of itself is pretty special. And Serena has said she's going to be playing in the U.S. Open come uh september slash august too so that's exciting
1: yeah 100 percent. still a goat i will not accept any serena williams slander no, no. um zero tolerance for that personally no, no bashing no bashing
0: and there's also a lot of matches going on today so today being thursday june 30th that's what you mentioned <laughs> Your favorite day. (laughs) My favorite day. Um, So Bianca Andrescu, a Canadian, is playing. Coco Gauff, American, Iga Swiatek, number one in the world, who also now has the longest match win streak in the 21st century, surpassing Venus Williams after winning her first round match, is playing. And I do just want to flag one thing here. So one thing that kind of boils my blood a little bit, Seth, is that Bianca Andrescu played her first round match at Wimbledon, Of course, Bianca is a woman and her match was not aired on Canadian television, but her male counterparts matches were. And after her match, she went on to her Instagram stories, posted a photo of her being like, oh my gosh, all of my fans are tweeting at me, Instagramming me, DMing me saying I couldn't watch you. And for a former US Open champion and arguably the biggest name in Canadian tennis, that felt like a slap in the face.
1: I also absolutely love that she tagged the broadcaster. She yes. tagged TSN Sports and was like, "What's going on with this? Why are you playing Dennis and Felix but you're not playing me?" I think that is the, absolutely the energy that we need to have. We need to start holding these broadcasters accountable because it's incredibly frustrating when you pay for these subscriptions and like you even pay for all of the extra little channels and you still can't watch women play sports and I'm I'm over it. So I'm I'm very glad that she did that.
0: Yeah, and we know that sometimes there are rights things in terms of Mm -hmm. you know I think that there was a tournament a couple years ago where DAZN had the rights to the women's side but then TSN and ESPN had the rights to the men's side and a lot of people were like why didn't you just buy the women's rights but DAZN paid more so there's some of that stuff but for a tournament like Wimbledon you know it's going to be the top notch broadcaster and you know immediately that's where you're going to go so it was quite disappointing to say the least.
1: Hopefully that problem is in the past and we won't run into any of that going forward with Wimbledon. Still very excited. We have so much amazing sports ahead of us, women's sports in particular ahead of us, which we, you know, are going to get to more in this podcast as well.
0: Okay, time to kick back. And relax as we discuss these two super exciting upcoming women's soccer tournaments. Let's start off with the CONCACAF W Championship, which begins on Monday, July 4th, the 4th of July for our Americans. The tournament features eight teams from CONCACAF, a.k.a. the Confederation of North, Central America, and Caribbean Association Football. Yes, there's a trophy on the line, but the main reason this tournament is such a big deal is because it serves as a qualification for the 2023 Women's World Cup and the 2024 Paris Olympics. The top four teams will qualify for the 2023 World Cup, while only the overall tournament winner automatically qualifies for the Olympics. The second and third place squads do have a chance to make the Paris games, but they'll have to face off in a play-in match later next year which I'm honestly so nervous for already that that play-in match just makes my heart
1: pitter-patter. There's a lot writing on it. So mm-hmm. I totally understand there's a lot to be nervous about, but structure helps me alleviate stress. <laughs> so here is how the tournament is set up. Let's lean on some structure here. The eight teams are broken into two four-team groups for round-robin play. Well, they'll play each team in their group once. So each team has three round-robin games. After the round-robin, two teams with the most points in each group advance to the semifinals, and of course, winners of those semis advance to the final which is set for monday july 18th so mark your calendars speaking of points no you get no points for a loss so if you lose zero points one point for a tie game and three points for a win
0: pretty straightforward structure which i definitely appreciate is sometimes it could get quite complicated at these soccer tournaments so now that we know the structure and how everything works let's talk about the teams luckily the u.s women's national team in canada are in separate groups so we won't have to worry about any internal just divisions until the semis at the earliest and honestly as we've said before a lot of canadians love the u.s women's <laughs> national team too and we want to be cheering for the u.s women's national team so it's great that we don't have to worry about us cheering for both teams along the way group a features the us mexico jamaica and haiti and as the number one team in the world the us women's national team is definitely the favorite to top their group but mexico could give them a run for their money especially considering they're hosting the tournament and we'll have the hometown crowd behind them at every match and we know that that country is honestly obsessed with soccer so they're going to show out. I also wouldn't count Haiti out of the mix. Yes they're ranked 60th in the world but they played incredibly well in qualifying matches. In fact Haiti did not concede a single goal in qualifying en route to the CONCACAF W championships which I know like qualifying to get to a qualifier is a little bit weird but I guess there's so many teams that could have made it in which is why they had to qualify for the CONCACAFW at all and one of their more impressive matches came in the form of a whopping 21 to nothing victory over the British Virgin Islands back in April and we're talking about football like soccer football but that score that Haiti had over the BVI's Sounds like more of an American football score than a soccer score.
1: I really did have to triple check that that wasn't a typo when I saw that score line because <laughs> it is really hard to comprehend. Moving over to Group B, the Canadian women's national team is up against Costa Rica, Panama, and Trinidad and Tobago. The gold medal-winning Canadians are predicted to lead their group, but one squad I'll be keeping an eye on is Costa Rica. Similar to Haiti, Costa Rica did not concede a single goal throughout qualifying, so watch for that strong defense to continue into the main event. And now that we have those groups established, Group A and Group B, We'll let our biases show a little bit. Ellen, uh, how about we shout out one Canadian and one U.S. player that we'll be watching once the games begin? This seems
0: very fair. And I mean, our biases, but also everyone who's listening. Well, not everyone who's listening. We also do have some international folks tuning in, but I feel like the majority of our listeners are North American, so... Our, all of our biases are showing here, I want to say. I want to start with Canada. It comes as no surprise to hear that I will be locked on my gal, center back, Kadisha Buchanan. And center back just means that she is literally in the center of the defense. She just won the Champions League title with Lyon in May after winning the gold with Canada last summer. All she does is win. It's as simple as that. And she also just signed a major contract to actually leave Lyon and go play with Chelsea with Sam Kerr, who's arguably the best player in the world of Australia. So that's pretty cool for Kadisha too. As for an American, I love goal scores, so I'm super excited to watch Alex Morgan, who just seems to be getting better and better and better. She's got that mom strength, I'm telling you. She currently leads the NWSL with 11 goals scored in just 10 games, and she has plenty of experience in big matches at the international level. She'll likely be a key component of this U.S. women's national team offense. And I think with Alex Morgan, too, as much as we talked about a couple episodes ago, that the U.S. Women's National Team is actually pretty young this time. There's a lot of rookies. She's good
1: enough to play with the rookies, but also good enough to mentor them too, which I think is pretty special. You really can't discount experience in these Mm-mm. these chances to earn these tournaments. I am so extremely hyped, um, so that means it's my turn <laughs> to, to keep to keep the hype going. <laughs> For a Canadian, I have to say, friend of the gist, the one, the only, Christine Sinclair. She's 39. um, So Ellen, you just mentioned, you know, some youth on the field. But I don't think that Sinky is stopping anytime soon. And I would absolutely love to see her extend that record for most goals scored on the international stage for both men and women. Like, personally, I just really um want to keep that in my arsenal so i'm rooting for her in that regard (laughs) regard
0: remember when we said remember (laughs) when christine sinclair was on the podcast and we were like so yeah when are you retiring we were basically like not when are you retiring it was so you're retiring tell us more about your retirement this is shocking that she's still playing i i truly didn't think that this was gonna be happening
1: i'm happy like i am all smiles we're thrilled we are actually absolutely elated and thrilled yes never been more happy to be wrong (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Oh gosh. Okay. So, for the U.S. women's national team side, so the American that I'm going to pick here, I'm going to go with 21 year old forward Sophia Smith, who, you know what I'm saying, is also a Portland Thorns teammate of Christine Sinclair. Mm. So, maybe there's some greatness exchange going on here. It is a period of change for the U.S., like you said, Ellen, with some players likely retiring soon. And Smith could be the future here she has eight goals in the nwsl season and that is second in the league so she's second to alex morgan plus she scored twice in the team's recent friendly against columbia she's gonna have a really big impact on this stage um it will be a really interesting and exciting person to watch man this u.s women's national team is just Firepower,
0: baby so many goals are about to be scored it's so exciting and those are just a handful of players to watch both of these teams are so stacked with talent veteran talent and new talent and it's always such a treat when we get to watch them play speaking of talent we'd be remiss not to take a trip across the pond and discuss the upcoming women's euro which also kicks off next week on wednesday july 6th jisters might remember last year when the incredibly exciting men's euro took over our twitter feeds and tv and now it's time for the women to do exactly the same it's going to be so hype i love this tournament i think that it's awesome and arguably the europeans have even better talent than the CONCACAFians. So it's a it's going to be a big deal. As for structure, the women's Euro is held once every four years, and that's part of what makes it such a BFD. And it features 16 of the best national teams across Europe. I do want to mention the men have 24 teams in their Euro tournament, but the women only have 16. So obviously there's more than 16 countries that play soccer, but... I digress those teams are evenly divided into four groups for round robin play and the top two teams in each group
1: will advance to the knockout stage mark your calendar for the final on Sunday July 31st we will be sending out a special edition newsletter with a full preview on the tournament next Wednesday but for now Ellen I think the people want to hear your predictions who do you think will win it all (laughs) Just my predictions? (laughs) Yeah, just yours. You're the soccer
0: gal. You're the reigning queen. I got you the crown. (laughs) Okay, 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 okay. Okay, I'm going to say a few things, I guess. So Spain are the favorites. So a lot of people are predicting Spain. I personally don't think that Spain is going to win. I'm actually going to go with the Netherlands because I'm personally obsessed with Vivian Medima. She is again like Sam Kerr arguably one of the best players in the world and she was a pain in Canada's side at the last World Cup and so I think that she is just awesome and ready to go and two other players to kind of watch in this tournament is one Ellen White- more than just because she has my name. Excellent name, Ellen, we love it. Um, But also England are the hosts, and I think that the team is going to show out and just really cheer for her and the entire team. And finally, Ada Hegerberg is back playing for the Norwegian national team after boycotting and not playing for the team for years because of unequal treatment between the men's and women's teams. Even though they're getting paid the same, she still was boycotting because of the treatment. She is back for Norway now, and this is one of her first major tournaments with the team. And I think that they must be fired up to have... Uh, pass Ballon
1: door winner on the squad again an absolute legend so mm-hmm. look out for that special edition newsletter for the full preview but there you have it our jam-packed july women's soccer preview we'll link the full schedules for both events in the show notes so that you can get ready get hyped now it is time for a quick break and then we'll be back with an important update to the ongoing story of hockey canada's handling or rather mishandling of sexual assault allegations we will be right back with that story
0: Okay, we want to take a quick second from today's podcast to shout out one of our very own favorite podcasts, Pop Alarm by Betches. I just love everything that Betches does, first of all. Just like you, our listeners come to the gist of it for all things sports, Pop Alarm is a daily podcast that covers the need-to-know headlines in pop culture. Host Dylan Hafer breaks it all down in just five minutes, which, as a woman on the go, we love. And as a millennial trying to stay hip with Gen Z... (laughs) I'm truly obsessed with that generation, but I'm so, so, so grateful for this podcast because of that. It's never been easier to keep up with pop culture and all the trends. You can find Pop Alarm wherever you listen to your podcasts. Enjoy it. We are about to talk about hockey and Hockey Canada, as we said, but I do just want to mention one thing that Steph and I just noticed as we were recording the podcast is that we are both wearing vintage NFL t-shirts and this was totally not planned. And I do think I just want to call that out with, you know, the season starting on September 8th just around the corner. It seems like we're a little bit hyped.
1: Libra Synergy. Also, shout out to, I think, your dad for your vintage t-shirt. Yes,
0: I am recording the podcast from my parents' house right now, and
1: I was looking for just some extra
0: spare t-shirts, and uh, in my dad's closet, I found this sweet vintage San Francisco 49ers shirt, and Steph, as per usual, is reppling the Buffalo Bills, and we all know how much she's obsessed with the armpit of the U.S., so... Hey! (laughs) I'm just kidding.
1: (laughs) (laughs) anyway that was just a fun little interlude okay thank you ellen for continuing to knock me for my love of buffalo (laughs) anywho we've previewed everything from the pitch um so we're gonna head from the pitch to the rink for an important hockey update that's hitting very close to home we will be discussing sexual assault so please pause the podcast here if you need to As we discussed on last Thursday's episode, Hockey Canada is currently being critiqued for their mishandling of an alleged sexual assault and for the Federation's overall culture. Earlier this month, the Standing Committee on Canadian Heritage, also known as the federal government here in Canada, held a hearing regarding allegations from a woman who said she was sexually assaulted by eight Canadian Hockey League players or CHL players in 2018, at least some of those players were on Canada's 2018 World Juniors team. Following that hearing, the Canadian government made a major move by freezing Hockey Canada's millions of dollars in federal funding, The government said the freeze will be in effect until the organization signs with a federal agency that has the power to independently receive and investigate abuse complaints and issue sanctions for inappropriate behavior. Now, since the Canadian government has made those moves or that move, brands are starting to follow suit.
0: Yeah, that's right, Steph. On Tuesday, Scotiabank announced that they're pausing their sponsorship with Hockey Canada. Scotiabank announced the decision with a full-page bio in the Globe and Mail newspaper, which is a national newspaper in Canada. And in that, Scotiabank CEO Brian J. Porter wrote, Like so many of you, I was appalled by the recent reports of alleged assault involving younger ambassadors of Canada's game. We believe we have a responsibility as hockey lovers and sponsors to contribute to positive change in the sport. End quote. So with this, Scotiabank plans to keep the partnership on pause until they're, quote, confident the right steps are being taken to improve the culture of the sport. In the immediate term, this means Scotiabank canceled their marketing and events surrounding the upcoming World Junior Championships, which will be held in August, notably because this past December's tournament was postponed because of, you guessed it, COVID-19, so they're hosting it in August, and then it will also be hosted again in December slash January, scotia instead with their additional money is going to be redirecting some of those funds to the canadian women's foundation a charity that supports women who have experienced gender-based violence and it's a it's a pretty big deal stuff
1: yeah they're also redirecting some of that money to the hockey canada assist fund and to the women's world championship yeah. uh really really appreciate seeing that direction of funds um so that The women's teams aren't missing out as well um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. from the mistakes that the men are making. It is a huge deal for some context for our Americans. The World Juniors is one of, if not the biggest, hockey events here in Canada. Like Ellen mentioned, it usually happens um, in December, so usually Boxing Day over New Year's. like households around the country tune in this is a huge event it's a huge pull so scotia bank making this decision and missing out on that marketing opportunity is a big deal so th- these are um really famous events um that a lot of canadians cherish mm-hmm a few
0: other brands also followed Skosha's lead, which is interesting. Canadian Tire and TELUS both announced late Tuesday that they would no longer support the World Juniors, and Esso and Tim Hortons became the latest companies to pull their support just yesterday, so
1: Wednesday. I really want to pause and, and give kudos and emphasis that none of this would have happened if that woman didn't come forward with this lawsuit in April. Like... We know that hockey has a problem and that there is a toxic culture in hockey. We know that. Um, but this woman has really been a catalyst for a lot of change. Like the federal government wouldn't have frozen their funding, um, which wouldn't have led probably to these brands freezing their sponsorships. And I really do think that we need to acknowledge um, the work that that woman put through and like the, the trauma that she had to experience, I'm sure. And so I just really want, want to take that time. Mm-hmm. It actually makes me think
0: the Memorial Cup is going on right now, where all of the top teams across all the leagues in Canada are playing to see who's the champion, basically, of the country. And it's going as we're recording. It was St. John versus Hamilton, but that's CHL. And I actually didn't hear of any brands dropping that event or that tournament, which is interesting. And maybe that's because it was happening as this was going on. But just something to flag there too, which is interesting. And you know. We're not normally optimistic, stuff when we're talking about hockey culture, but this could be a way forward. Money talks, and with the freezing from the government and now these brands basically freezing out Hockey Canada, this could be the catalyst to systemic change within the Hockey Canada system. And I just, I really hope that they're finally awake to just the problems that have been going on and persisting in hockey across north america across europe for such a long time
1: the brands also provide more money than the Mm -hmm. federal government do to hockey canada so that is a more significant amount of um change or money if you will
0: yeah i do wonder stuff you know are fans going to boycott watching what's going to happen here uh will it be a different world juniors or will people still continue to tune in um i think it's one of those really really complicated things right when past players and associations disappoint you it is still hard to not be able to tune into a sport that you love for example you know the the Cleveland Browns and everything that the NFL doesn't do right we're still here wearing our NFL t-shirts right now so I I am really curious to see what happens from a fandom perspective
1: yeah I'm pretty burnt out um Mm -hmm. with my exhaustion and disappointment in hockey culture as someone who grew up um, loving hockey and playing hockey and i still play hockey or it will be um so i'm curious how these brands hopefully redirect some of their funding to the new league that the pwhpa will be forming next year like i i yes. wonder what this maybe this could be a catalyst for change and how some of these brands think about where they're going to put their sponsorship and their marketing dollars and maybe maybe women will benefit from that i don't yeah. know Women will rise to the top. We certainly hope so. I hope so. We just hope for
0: change altogether. Um, so that marks the end of today's episode. We really appreciate y'all tuning in. There will be no new podcast next Tuesday as our team is taking the long weekend for Canada Day and 4th of July. So keep an eye out for another new episode next Thursday, July 7th, as the soccer will have begun and we'll just be ramping up. In the meantime, if you enjoyed today's episode, we would love for you to rate, review, and
1: subscribe to the podcast and send it to your past while you're at it. This episode was edited by Brianna Ekenem, executive produced by Lauren Tuscola, and co-produced by Ellen and me. And once again, my name is Steph Rotz. And my name <laughs> is Ellen Isla. And this has been the gist of it.
0: Enjoy the long holiday weekend. And of course, all of the women's soccer action we know we will be. And we'll chat with you next Thursday.